0: And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mine, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. One of the things I love about hearing stories from people is that we get into the details. We hear the details of their experience. And uh, what we've noticed so far in so many of the stories we've had here on the podcast is that even though on the outside, somebody's journey may look simple or straightforward or, you know, here they have this baby, so everything must have been fine, is we really understand the nuance, details of their journey that contribute to a very deep and rich and sometimes difficult experience in the journey into motherhood and parenthood. In our episode today, Dr. Elise Sanchez is going to share details Of her journey. And some of that includes a back and forth between wanting to have kids, not knowing if you can have kids, and that ambivalence that some people experience. Also how her commitment to herself and the therapeutic process has her going to therapy to help her through the thinking process and the feeling process of many life transitions. Pressure from providers and family members and society in general, how that shapes how we feel and decisions that we make. And ultimately honoring your experience, even if it was way more difficult than you anticipated, and being able to integrate all of that into your life, and very specifically for Elise into her profession as well. There's just no way that the experiences in our life don't shape us in significant ways. And for many of our guests on this podcast, we get to hear how those journeys have impacted their lives and or their careers. Dr. Elise Sanchez is a licensed clinical psychologist, speaker, coach, and educator. She lives in California with her husband and and one-and-a-half-year-old. She provides coaching, mentoring, and consultation regarding life transitions, education, sexuality, love, friendship, mental health, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dr. Sanchez is the founder of Speak the Secret, an online platform created to provide community, connection, and collaboration with people who have a passion for growth and healing. As a new mom, Dr. Sanchez realized there was a long way to go in her healing journey. She aspires to help everyone she meets feel seen, heard, and understood. Empowering others to use their voice and share stories of strength, resilience, and hope is her mission. Let's meet Dr. Elise Sanchez. Welcome, Elise. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Hi, thank you for having
0: me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I am excited as well and really happy that you're going to share your story with us and some of your perspective also as a, as a mom and a professional, which I, I know a lot of our, our listeners will really resonate with. So
1: I invite you to start wherever you'd like. Okay. So let's see. I have been with my husband going on 11 years now, married for six We always knew we wanted to have kids, but we met while I was starting grad school. And my plan, or so I thought, was to have kids right away when I finished my doctorate degree. Once that time came, I realized that I liked having time and (laughs) that we never really had time alone together. So we decided, okay, let's wait two years. Two years came and went. Okay, two more years. Two years came Mm -hmm. and went. Then we kind of even went through a phase where we were traveling and having so much fun that we were like, you know what? I think we're okay not having kids. And I actually had like a little scare. I had this doctor that wasn't so great, who actually told me that I wasn't going to be able to have kids. And yeah, (laughs) that was fun. So Mm -hmm. there was issues with like my hormone levels. And Mm -hmm. she just obviously didn't know what she was doing. I didn't have my regular doctor at the time, because I had just changed jobs. So I had different insurance. And it was just a awful. So I kind of, you know, started coping with that and was like, well, what if that is true? And then I started telling myself that I didn't want kids because Mm -hmm. I was just so afraid. What if I can't have them? I don't, you know, protecting my ego and all of that. I didn't want to expose myself to too much pain if that were true. And my husband was, I knew he wasn't on board, but he was kind of just like, whatever you want at that time. And Mm -hmm. so we had a little phase where we were like, we don't even want kids. But I went back to therapy, was working on some stuff and, you know, knew that deep down that's not what I wanted. And I was ready to, you know, take that risk. And I felt like I needed to just go back to my regular doctor that I had always been with and, you know, get off of birth control and just kind of let my system regulate itself. Right. So we did that for about a year. My doctor (laughs) was like, no, that lady didn't know what she was talking about. You were (laughs) on birth control. So your hormone levels are different and, you know, all that stuff. And- we decided we were going to try. So Mm -hmm. we went on one last trip. That was our our thing. Like we'll go on one last big vacation and then we're going to start trying to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Still was not ready, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a month I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yes, So it happened very fast. We were very blessed. I was not expecting it to happen that quick. Cause in my mind, I still had like, well, I'm older, Mm -hmm. you know, things aren't going to work out the way that I want it to. And you know, who knows what's going to happen. I was expecting it to take some time. Sure. We were excited In that process, I had already, I've gone, I mean, being a psychologist, I know how important therapy is and just stuff comes up all the time. And so I randomly go to therapy when things are really good. Mm -hmm. Like people tend to think you go when things are bad or you're having a hard time. I like to go (laughs) when (laughs) I have that space and that capacity to like dig deep and just see what comes up. Yeah. So when I got pregnant, I knew that that was a time I really wanted to go back and kind of just see what came up. Lots of stuff came up, (laughs) of course. And I'm naturally, I've always kind of been anxious and like a worrier, but I really didn't want that to take over my pregnancy. So that was another reason why I wanted to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And my pregnancy was very smooth, very easy. I had like no issues. I loved being pregnant. The only thing I had like a weird chicken and meat aversion for a couple of weeks, but like no morning sickness, I know I'm one of those like annoying people that like, I really (laughs) liked being pregnant. Like I had no nothing at eight and a half months. Mm -hmm. I did get carpal tunnel. That was probably like the worst of it. Oh
0: my gosh. We had identical pregnancies. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like I love it until the
1: end. Yeah. That was awful. But everything Mm -hmm. else was fine. Like I started getting some sciatic in the beginning. I went to my Mm -hmm. chiropractor. He took care of that. And so, yeah, I didn't have anything it was just and I loved being pregnant. I felt so connected to her and mm-hmm. we found out her gender I think pretty early. I think I was maybe 3 or 4 months pregnant. Mm-hmm. So then that's when it kind of like started sinking in more like, you know, when you start seeing the ultrasounds and everything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as far as society says, we did everything the right way. You know, I was with him for a long time before. We traveled, we, you know, did all this stuff together on our own and together before we decided to get married. And then we bought our house, had the baby, you know, all those things, all those steps and check boxes, whatever people say. Mm, mm-hmm. So my labor and delivery too was pretty good. I went from my... 38 week appointment to like, the doctor's like, you're still really high. She hasn't dropped yet. You know, we're going to just schedule your induction for this date because it doesn't look like anything's happening yet. And so that's when I kind of started to worry because I really wanted to do things as natural as possible. That was kind of my idea, but I did have in my mind, like I have heard so many stories already of people's like birth plans, not going according to plan. And Mm -hmm. so I was open to that, but my plan was, I wanted to do things as natural as possible. So that's when I just started praying. And I just really started talking to my baby and, you know, saying, you can come whenever you want. I'm ready for you. But please come before this date. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The next night at nine o'clock at night, I started having contractions. Oh, boy. So yeah, I was off of work for two weeks. The doctor had taken me off. I was off for two weeks. And so I only had one week off. And I was like doing all this self-care stuff though, like I was getting massages and, you know, doing my nails, like all these, like my last things that I, Mm -hmm. you know, knew I wouldn't get to do for a while. Um, So I don't know if like all of that relaxation and everything is what Mm -hmm. kind of triggered. who knows, but Mm -hmm. it was literally like out of nowhere. Like that night from the doctor, I started feeling like a weird pain in my hips, but it only came like maybe two or three times, like randomly throughout the day and night. But yeah, the next night started having contractions. I labored pretty much all on my own here at home. I do have a really high pain tolerance. So I want to say that part. So I, I got in the tub. Well, actually first I have a friend who has three kids and she told me, and it's so weird. We always like kind of sense each other. And so she just texts me like, Hey, how are you doing? How was your appointment? (laughs) And I was like, I think I'm having contractions. And it was like, literally, she texted me at the time that it was happening. Amazing. So she was, Yeah. So she was like, oh my God, don't let it go away. Like, you know, I know it sounds weird, but just walk and like stay active. And so I did, I ate some jello and I went on the treadmill (laughs) for like 40 minutes and I was just walking and I hadn't walked much of my pregnancy at all. I was just kind of like letting things happen on their own. But yeah, they started coming more often. They started getting stronger. Like I was like, I'm not going to be able to sleep like this. I felt like they were stronger laying down and I was having a lot of back labor. Mm. So, put the heating pad on my back and the tub was the best thing like taking a warm bath like I was able to deal with the pain more in there. So then I got out of the tub, talking to my husband and you know, I was like you can just go to bed like you can't really help me with this right now <laughs> and so like he was trying to be helpful and but it was there was really nothing he could do. So I tried relaxing again, I tried getting back in bed and I couldn't. So, I got back in the tub later and I have one of those apps that, you know, kind of counts everything for you. So, I was like timing everything. And at one point, it's like, call 911, like, go to the hospital because they oh were gosh. like two, three minutes apart. And so, I, I woke up my husband and I called the doctor. And, but the same thing, like, from what I remembered from like my classes and what I read, they were like, no, it should be pretty intense. We're like, you can't really talk, you can't walk. And she's like, oh, it's your first baby. So, and I got told that a lot for everything, which was so annoying.
0: Okay. Like I,
1: you're just dismissed for everything because you're a first time mom. So you don't know anything you're talking about. That's rough. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So she's like, you could be like this for days or weeks. And I was like, what? (laughs) So she's like, yeah, just relax at home. If you're not that uncomfortable, stay there as long as you can. So they started getting a lot more uncomfortable. And so I'm like, well, I know the tub worked. Let me get on the tub again. So I took another bath. My husband was like kind of awake, but, you know, went back to the room because I told him, well, she said, stay here if I'm still not like super uncomfortable. Well, in the tub, I started shivering. <laughs> oh. Like I got like the chills. Yeah. And then I had to go to the restroom. I got this urge to go to the restroom. And Mm -hmm. I did go to the restroom, but I went back in the tub and I'm like, maybe I'm cold. I've been in here for a while. So I turned on the water, but that's never happened. And I knew I was just in denial (laughs) and I'm in there shivering and I'm like, okay, now is time. Something's happening. Like Mm -hmm. my body is saying we need to go. Yeah. So Good thing the hospital is literally like a five-minute drive from here. So we got in the car, went to the hospital. We were already checked in and everything. We get there, and they're still like, oh, you're a first-time mom. Like, you're you're fine. And I wasn't in there, like, screaming or right. I don't know. So they just, like, totally ignored me. Whoa. So then they – yeah, they give me a cup, and they're like, okay, well, just go pee in this cup, and then we'll get your room ready for you to get triaged. Go to the restroom, and I cannot – go pee. Like I'm trying. And I felt like I had to go and I'm Mm. like, nothing's coming out. And so when I move the cup, there's like little tiny drops of blood in it. Mm. And so my husband like freaks out, of course, because he hates (laughs) blood and runs to them like she's bleeding and she can't go pee. So they're like, okay, then they start kind of like, okay, let's hurry it up a little bit. And they finally take me to the triage room. So all of this is a matter of maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes. It's pretty fast. They actually did finally get me in there. Okay. And, but the same thing, another nurse kind of comes in and like, Oh, it's your first baby. Like, did your water break? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. But I was in the tub. So I don't know, like, would I be able to tell literally as I'm saying that? Shh, my water <laughs> <breaks>. <laughs> So then that's when I kind of panic and I start crying and I'm like, Oh my God. She's like, sweetie, it's okay. Like take a deep breath. This is what you want to happen. But that's when I was like, oh, my God, I'm really going to have a baby right now. I think that whole time I was even convincing myself like I'm a first time mom. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to happen this fast. Mm -hmm. You know, people described it as like the worst pain of your life. And, you know, and like, yeah, it wasn't, you know, a party. Like, I don't want to go through that every day, but I was (laughs) expecting it to be so much worse. Right. So then she finally checks me. Once my water breaks and she's like, oh, you're stained. She's like, you're seven centimeters dilated. So they like, (laughs) yeah, it was just fast. And then I'm like, oh my God, seven centimeters. And it gets a little more intense after my water breaks. And so they start rolling me to the room. They're trying to like, like, I'm not even dressed yet. Like she's still trying to have me like get hooked up to the monitors, all that, whatever they yeah. do. And then a team comes in. And so I didn't even get to meet any of them. It was so fast. And they're like putting me onto this other bed. And that's when they asked me if I wanted the epidural. And it was painful then at that point And I wanted to say yes, just because they offered it. But then I'm like, I stopped and thought about it. And I'm like, I'm already at seven mm-hmm. and this is happening fast. And I wanted to do it natural. So I was like, no, I'm Okay. And so I'm laying there on the bed. They check me again. And she's like, you're at 10 centimeters. That was literally <laughs> just from rolling me from oh my one gosh. room to the next. And yeah, it was just super fast. I'm pushing. I was having a hard time at first. They weren't really coaching me. Like I was just pushing constantly. I didn't know you're supposed to push only when, and this is the important stuff you should learn in those classes, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets missed.
0: <laughs> There's a lot to know, a lot to remember. So, I mean, it's so like, much. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, I probably was covered and I missed it. Who knows? But yeah, I didn't know that. So I'm just pushing all the time, thinking like the more I push, the faster I get her out. And finally one nurse sees and she's like, what if, let me bring a mirror over here. Maybe if you can see, you know, and then that's when she told me, only push when you have the contractions. That's when we want you to push. Mm. So then I was able to, okay, kind of understand what I was supposed to be doing. And then something really stuck with me during that time. I remember another nurse saying, she's like, I know it feels counterintuitive, but you want to like lean into the pain. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're safe. You're, this is what your body's supposed to do. And that was kind of already like my affirmation. That's how I dealt with the pain so much. Like Mm -hmm. I was really just like, this is what my body was meant to do. Like my body knows what to do. And it was so weird because like when I was contracting at home, like, yeah, I would just get like on all fours or like, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't doing it. Like I literally was just, Listening to my body and it was doing it all for me. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was so amazing. Like it was like the most like spiritual like mm-hmm. feeling I ever had. Awesome. And yeah, while I'm pushing, then they see that she's not really coming out. Like you could see once the contraction is over, she kind of would like go back in. So then that's when the doctor or the nurse was like, "I know you wanted to do everything as natural as possible, but if I just gave you a little snip, I could have had her out three pushes ago." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." Well, let me try one more time because that's just how I am. And if she doesn't come out, then okay. So yeah, same thing. Tried again. She didn't come out, and I totally just saw her like pop back in. So yeah, I agreed. She did a little snip. One more push, she was out, and it was just amazing. Like right when I saw her, like I recognized her face. Like I just, I was like, oh my god, you have my crying face, and (laughs) it was so beautiful. And she just, I can't even describe the feeling, but it was it was amazing just seeing her finally. And and I I think my first words were like, Oh my gosh, she's so tiny because Mm -hmm. like all of that work. And I was expecting (laughs) like this big old baby, but she was like (laughs) only six pounds and like so tiny. Yeah. So it was just amazing. And I felt super connected to her immediately. Like they put her on my chest Mm -hmm. and, and that was probably the worst part. I mean, everyone listening, I guess has had a baby or they're getting ready to, so I'm just going to say it, but That was the worst part was not having the drugs and the aftermath because she did do that little snip. And then Mm. I don't know if it's from all the pushing that I was doing when I wasn't supposed to be or them not coaching me right. And like Mm -hmm. I pushed too much for too long that I I tore internally too. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, okay, we need to call the surgeon in here. Uh, What degree tear did you have? They didn't even tell me. Mm. I don't even know, to be honest, Mm -hmm. but... They And then they kept trying to give me drugs and I was like, I'm okay. Let me, you know, just get the stitches and be done with it. But I eventually gave in because like that, that doctor came in and just started stitching. She didn't look me in the face. She didn't introduce nothing. Like mm-hmm. it was awful. So all my trauma was from the aftermath. Like, oh gosh. From that point on, like w- once I delivered my baby.
0: You'd like, you got yeah. to have that beautiful moment with her after being born and then all the, the difficulty started.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cause it pretty, was immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she literally came in <clears throat> and just started, and the, the nurse had to be like, wait, 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 she didn't get an epidural or anything. And I was oh, sh- like, oh, you should have told me that. Like oh you God. didn't even ask, like you didn't even enter. like she, nothing. She didn't say a word, walked in and just, I mean, it was like five in the morning, but dude. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. So that I eventually, and it took an hour for them to, she was down there for an hour. And so that just kind of like ruined the moment for me. Like I had to give my baby to my husband because I'm like, I'm in pain now, you know, and like all the trauma from giving birth was starting to set in. They're pushing on your uterus and Mm -hmm. they're scraping in there and doing all this stuff. And it was awful. Yeah. So it was really bad. But aside from that, then once that got done, you know, I hemorrhaged a little bit and they had to give me Pitocin. And I mean, from my research and stuff I've done, I know that that's really highly linked to like postpartum and throwing your hormones and everything off. So I don't know if that had to do with it, but, and they didn't ask me about that. They just gave it to me because I I passed out going to the restroom. Oh
0: no. Mm -hmm. I
1: passed out twice because I was bleeding so much. But then,
0: yeah. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted? The Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math. And the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So, tune in to mysteries about true histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey there,
2: I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, possibility and joy. I mean, mean, you must, at
0: that point too, like you must be exhausted, but you've been uh, quick labors, you know, even if they're, you know, quick, they're still exhausting.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was exhausted. Yeah. And I mean, and it's still, it's, I think it's more intense because it was just Mm -hmm. so quick and so fast for my body to process that all overnight. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, the whole process was like eight hours from when I started my contractions to when I had her. Wow. Yep. But that was all throughout the night. So breastfeeding right away she latched things were good she nursed for about 45 minutes an hour but yeah i don't remember that moment much because it was right after everything and then they did finally give me i don't even know what they gave me something crazy strong that they probably didn't have to give me fentanyl or something yeah so i was like half asleep and trying to nurse and and then we had visitors right away like i had visitors the whole two days I was there. Oh, yeah. So my boundary with my husband, I had told him like, I don't want any visitors when we get back home for two weeks. Like I want to just mm-hmm. breastfeed and bond and like us just be together and like, you know, adapt to our new life. And, and that was hard at first because people don't do well with boundaries. Like people were offended. <laughs> like, why can't we yeah. come see the baby? And so that just made everybody come and see us in the hospital. So I literally oh, got wow. no rest <laughs> in mm-hmm. the hospital.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um well hospitals yeah. are really not restful places. So they're oh, no. They're every hour, two hours, three hours. Yes. Yeah, yes. Stuff, so. Which is fine. I mean, it's their job. It's part of safety, but you are not sleeping.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't. And so I begged to stay for another day and mm-hmm. I stayed for two days. And so that second day I did get a little more rest and we had less visitors. But yeah, so I come home, we bring the baby home and the breastfeeding is not going well at that point. Um, in the hospital, I had like two lactation nurses come. They said her latch was great, everything looked great, but I felt that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, what do I know? I've never nursed before. I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. And I heard people say it hurts at first. So I just like, okay, they're the experts. They're saying she's good. So I guess it's fine. I kept mm-hmm. to find later that she did have a lip tie and a tongue tie. I mm-hmm. didn't find out till three weeks. She was three mm-hmm. weeks old. Were you having pain? A lot of pain. I was like bleeding on the top of my nipples Uh because she wasn't latching deep enough. Right. Like I would cry when she wanted Mm. to nurse because I was like dreading putting her on the breast. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was awful. But again, I'm like, people have said this is normal, you know, so I didn't know. But finally, after this was like the fourth lactation consultant I had found right away. She looked at me and was like, take her off, put her finger in her mouth with her glove." And she's like, yep. And she like, she has a lip tie and a tongue tie. That's where her issues coming from. Mm. And so this was after her like second appointment when they do their checkup and they're weighing them and everything. Mm. And she wasn't gaining weight. She had lost weight, which is normal. Um, And now that I know, and I'm like rested, she was fine. She was just gaining at the lower rate. But that is, I'm glad that they did bring it up because that was how I found her ties. Okay. So we got those fixed. Yeah, we did get them snipped. Immediately, she latched on a lot d- deeper, but it still took us probably like three or four more weeks for her to like really get, you yeah. know, used to using all the muscles the right way. Right. And so, yeah, that was then like the trauma started setting in from like giving birth and then all my negative thoughts just started going.
0: How far um, uh, postpartum are you at that point?
1: At this point, I'd say like five weeks. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, we found out three weeks, four weeks she got snipped. So yeah, I think about five weeks. So she's gaining, but then I'm having to pump now to like mm-hmm. give her, I think it, I don't know if it was an ounce or two ounces of bottle after I breastfed her. So it was just intense. It was like, I was pumping, I would feed her 15 minutes on each side. Then I would pump and then feed her a bottle. And then wow. at this point it was like early on. So every two hours I was doing that. And yeah, it's a
0: lot of effort.
1: It was intense. Like that was when I almost quit. Like I was like, I really want to breastfeed, but this is too much. Like I would literally get maybe 45 minutes in between <laughs> Yeah. before I had to do it all over again. Right. Right. And I was like, I'm already having to pump and like wash bottles. Like that defeats the purpose of me wanting to breastfeed her, like to make it easier. And right when I was going to quit is when she finally like, <laughs> started nursing like a champ finally okay, she still great. was always yeah like she still was always slow and like took her time I was more of a grazer I went snack like all throughout the day but <laughs> mm-hmm. she was gaining consistently and but yeah I still like my thoughts and everything were still there like I, I definitely had the baby blues like I was very I'm not emotionally and I was very weepy and like tearful and just for everything like happy things sad things like everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that went away after like the two three weeks but yeah once what really triggered it was a lot for me was the breastfeeding and like me not knowing that she wasn't gaining weight or, but then now I look back and I'm like, I did know from the beginning I knew something was off but I didn't listen to that because I was like, I'm a new mom. What do I know? I've never breastfed, but I knew. And so I just didn't listen to my gut because I didn't trust it or I was afraid. I don't know. Well, right. Um, And I
0: mean, it sounds like all along people have also kind of reinforced that, that you're a first time mom and you mm -hmm. don't know and telling you that things are normal when like they don't quite feel normal. And then you second guess yourself Um, and you're just learning how to be a mom how, you know, how are you supposed to know everything? It's hard to trust your intuition when it also feels like worry too.
1: Yes. Oh yes. And so I mentioned that I was always like a worrier and like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Mm -hmm. And, And I just found myself very worried a lot, like checking her breathing. And to a certain extent, which I know some is normal because yeah, it's all new and but then I started noticing it was more excessive. Like I wasn't sleeping because I was just like, Oh yeah. Is she breathing? Like Mm -hmm. why is she making all those weird noises? Like Mm -hmm. what? And my family have all co-slept all of them. That's just, and my mom didn't breastfeed, but she bottle fed us, but she, you know, did it safely. And, so everybody in my family was like bring her in the bed with you that's the only way you're going to get rest that's how you're going to feel better mm-hmm. but I was afraid and I was like no I don't want to do that I'm scared but finally at like 3 months when she was nursing well I gave in cuz I was so tired <laughs> Yeah so we were taking a, a nap mm-hmm. yeah we were, I was desperate we t- we took a nap and she slept we both slept for like 4 hours straight she had never oh, done that Wow and that's when I was like you know what <laughs> She's coming in the bed with me. Right. And because sleeping next to me, neither of us were sleeping. I was worried about her. She was, you know, not, she wasn't resting either. Like she would literally wake up every hour and a half, every half an hour. It was ridiculous. And then I did finally find a bassinet she kind of liked. And then she started rolling over at three and a half months. So oh, I was gosh. like, great. Well, there it goes back.
0: Right. Oh man. So. That's so, it's so much work just to figure things out, to get them going in a direction. I mm. mean, it's just constant problem solving. Like, what is this? What does that mean? Yes. Um, yes. And you're doing it on just like with no fuel yourself.
1: Um, exactly. It's so Yes. Hard. The no sleep is what really like got me. And then just, it was just such a big transition for me. Like, so being, when I was pregnant, that was the first time I only had one job. I've always had like three jobs. I've always been crazy busy, Mm -hmm. you know, doing lots of things. And because I knew I was going to have a baby, I started like, you know, taking things off of my plate. And so then going from that, like, it was already a struggle having just the one job because I was just like, okay, I just go here eight to five. And it was just different for me. But then having my baby and being home, like I hated it. I did not enjoy my maternity leave at all in the beginning. Like I felt like, yeah. I just felt like bored out of my mind, like laying around all day. And like, I totally robbed myself from that experience though, with my thinking, like now that I'm rested and know, you know, logically, you know, what, what was going on. And I just really fought being a mom. Like I loved my baby. I never didn't feel like connected to her or anything like that, but I did not like the job. (laughs) I did not enjoy being a mom. Like I was, and It wasn't until later when the breastfeeding was going really well, then, you know, like, I really think that's what saved me from going deeper into like the Mm -hmm. depression and the anxiety and really helped us bond and connect. And because that's when I started having those like really tender moments. And then that's when I realized like, this is why I needed to breastfeed because this is going to get me to slow down. This is going to get me mm. to like rest and enjoy my baby. This is going to make me, you know, sit and take a break. This is, and so, and that was already work. I was already working on like stopping the busyness and like the need to be productive and yeah. And really just being present. And so now that's my blessing with COVID and all this stuff going on <laughs> is that I get, I feel like I'm getting a redo it. and now my daughter's older and so much more fun. You know, it's not just changing diapers and feeding and, you know, burping and napping over and over <laughs> million times.
0: Yeah, it's grueling and monotonous uh, work in those early months for sure. And I really appreciate you speaking to the fact that you didn't enjoy it. A lot of moms have that experience, but feel, you know, some guilt around expressing that. Yes. It it happens more than people think.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You
0: you absolutely love your child, but not like doing the day-to-day stuff.
1: Exactly. And I mean, and I did have moments where you know, I would totally fantasize about like escaping or just running away. Like yeah, I'd be driving to like the store, I mean, to like the doctor to pick up medicine or something. And I would fantasize like, what if I just didn't drive back home? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because it was just like, oh my gosh, this is nice to like, just be myself again. And like, just only worry about me and, you know, and then, but again, like the messages we get from society and even from my own family, like it was like, well, You don't matter now. It's all about the baby. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a mom. That's it. Moms have to sacrifice everything for their kids. And I was like, but why? Like who made up these rules? Why? Yes. And so I was like struggling with all of that and trying to like, you know, find my new identity as a mom. And Mm -hmm. but yeah, all the examples I've had of moms, that's usually what you see. Like the mom does everything for her kids, like her dreams, her goals, everything's gone. It's all about the kids. And and I was like, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still me before I was yeah. a mom.
0: Absolutely. And, and you, ha- I mean, you had a career and a direction for your life. It's absolutely true. There it's, I agree with you, like who made this up. It's not, it's not fair to the the mother or birthing parent. And it's certainly, I think not fair to the kid either to have a parent who doesn't have their own you know, sense of themselves. Um, yes. Yeah. It's,
1: yeah, it's hard. And that's why I wanted to like talk about like the, the right time because yeah, people were like, oh, but you did it the right way. You should be happy. And, right. and so all those like shoulds of, and so I started opening up about it. I remember when I first admitted it, cause I think I was like, I was ashamed and I was hiding it for maybe two weeks. I would, I would cry when they gave me a break to go take a nap mm. or when I was in the shower, mm-hmm. like I would just cry and I was like, why did I want this? Like, this mm. is awful. Like, I don't feel good. Like I'm not yes. enjoying this. Like, yeah. you know, it, it just, it's not, you know, this joyful, awesome experience like people talked about. And right. so I just started feeling like, maybe it's me. Like, maybe I'm not meant to be a mom. Maybe, I, you know, like all those things started going mm-hmm. through my mind. And then I have like young cousins who had kids young and I'm like, and they had multiple kids with no help. They made it look so easy. And I'm over here with all this help and support and like, I'm dying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I remember the first time I told my mom, I said that I wanted to give her back (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I will never forget the look on my mom's face. Like I burst into tears because I was like, your face just said it all. Like, this is why I didn't want to say it. But my mom later explained to me, like once we were able to talk about it, she's like, it's because I had no idea you felt that way. Like you hit it so well. Like yeah. none of us even knew you were struggling. And I know that's super common and yeah. this is really why I wanted to come yeah. on here and talk about it because I even talked about it with my OB and she's like, I'm an OB and when I had my first kid, she's like, all that logic goes out the window. Like you right. don't know what you're doing, <laughs> right? And it's so different when it's your own baby and you're so vulnerable and it's all new to you. Like. You can be educated. You can be, it doesn't matter. Like Mm -hmm. you could do it the right way. You know, I'm putting my fingers in quotes. Like, no, it's, you can't ever be ready. Like it's different for everyone. And, and I really felt cheated that like, how come no one talks about how hard it is after you have a baby? Like, it's all about preparing and it's all about, you know, prenatal and pregnancy and everything, you know, all the checkups before. And then after it's just like, okay, come in six weeks and good luck to you.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, this is one of, if not the most major changes of your life, is to now all of a sudden be responsible for another human um, yes. who's completely dependent on you, and there, there is no, um, you know, well, maybe there is a little bit more now, but there's not a lot of talk about this or preparation for, uh, for having a newborn and what you go through as a person, the transition that exactly. you exactly your evolution into this new role. Yes. Like, yes. Well. You wanted this, so here you go. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And then it's like, and then I would feel guilty and go even further. Like I was so blessed to get pregnant so fast. And people want this so bad, like be grateful. And I would make mm-hmm. myself feel like crap mm-hmm. even more. Right, right, right. So once I started going down that hole, like it was just negative all the time. And then I found myself the more I tried to control, the more out of control I felt. But it was just really me pushing against and resisting being a mom. So Mm -hmm. once I just let all of that crap go and was like, and so I mentioned matricence when I put it in my bio and stuff, because no one talks about like the birth of a mom, like Mm -hmm. you're also being born and you matter too, even though society really like erases all of that. Like, it's just, you know, it does become solely focused on the baby, but the baby is you, like you made that. (laughs) Right. Um, right. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. I really just started like, I don't even know what triggered it for me. I know a big part of it was once the breastfeeding was gone and I started getting more sleep, then that's when I was able to like think more clearly. And yeah, that's, a I huge was really, part. yeah, the sleep makes you n- nuts, like not sleeping. Oh my gosh. I've
3: yeah, never, that's
1: horrible. and that's the only thing people really warn you about like, oh, you're never going to sleep again, but they don't talk about all the other stuff with the postpartum. And then once I started sharing, like with my friends, that's when I learned like, oh yeah, I think I had it too. Or, oh, I, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. how come you never said anything? Like, and I had no idea. Like people that I was really close to, Mm -hmm. they're just like, oh yeah, I probably had it. And, you know, and they were home by themselves, like just dealing with it. And I'm like, see, that's not okay. That we just talk about like the beautiful, like, cause it is all those things, but we also need to talk about the real, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not so pretty, like dark, you know, scary stuff that happens too during the process.
4: Yeah.
3: I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
0: So do you like looking back on it? Do you really wish somebody would have given you the warning or told you about the possibility of all
1: of this? I think so. I think at least I would have been a little more prepared mentally for everything. Because I remember even right after I had her thinking, like, this is so stupid. Why do people do this again? Like, I would (laughs) never do this all over again. Right. But yeah, but it's crazy. Like, here I am now, you know, me and my husband are already having the talk about should we try for another one? Mm -hmm. And I still remember how awful some of those parts were. But yeah, it just gets to the point where the joy and the good stuff just outweighs all of that. And then now I know what to expect. So I feel like I'm more prepared. And and I know that like now I'm not ashamed. Like I'm, I'm so empowered when I talk to people and share that because yeah. it sucks that, like my title gives it that weight, but it's like, people are like, Oh, well, you're a psychologist. Like you could have cured yourself. And it's like, no, oh, I need man. help and support too. Like right. that's not how it works.
0: Right. And, and that's so- actually why a lot of us who are in, in mental health don't uh, like seek out help because we also mm-hmm. feel like we should fix it ourselves or figure things yes. out. It's, I mean, we're
1: still human. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I feel like it, it, it helps people a little more sometimes when I tell them that, because then they're like, yeah, because that's what I always get told you did it the right way and you guys were ready and you wanted it. I'm like, exactly. And I couldn't control any of that stuff that happened afterwards, but you know, getting help and getting support and like letting people know that that is normal too. That's a part of the process for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, prepares you for that so that you're not ashamed to tell your doctor. Cause I even had to fight and be like, Hey, something's off for them to like, look at me extra, you know, cause even down there physically I wasn't healing well. So then that mm-hmm. affected a lot of my coping, of but I had to really fight and advocate. And I'm like, and some people don't do that because they don't know. They just go by what their doctor tells them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you had quite a journey there after after birth, and have learned so many things in the process, not only personally but also professionally. Um, yeah. And yeah, what are what are the things? Yeah, either looking back on your experience or what you've um, grown to uh, to learn and to know that you would want to share with other people.
1: Do the work. Like I know some people aren't into therapy, but like it's so valuable. Like to see. What comes up for you, especially like while pregnant? Like for me, pregnant, a lot of it was like childhood trauma that I had never even thought about, Mm. you know, bothering me. And then after having my baby, just like the collective trauma of, you know, my ancestors and just like other birthing people, like all of that, I felt all of that. Mm. (laughs) And it's just intense. Yeah, Yeah, it's really intense. And so yeah, like really speaking out and finding some support. I was just thinking as you said that, that because
0: our, our, the process of birth is largely so medicalized, the the spiritual part that you've touched on a couple of times really um, yes. like that, that it is a major, major, major change in your life and absolutely yes. a sort of spiritual experience, so to speak. and. Yeah, it's it's become so sterile and not really uh, like a, a passage um, a, or a ritual or yes. you know, something to honor. <clears throat> yes. So I, I appreciate you bringing that in.
1: Yeah, and just like the village, like the village doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Like We don't live in small little communities. Like we live far away from our families, sometimes out of state. So like we have to find our own mm-hmm. little village, you know, whether that's your neighbor or – you know a friend that can come once a week and check on you something like mm-hmm. like i was so blessed to have like my mom was here my mother in law and that was it and they cooked and cleaned for me so i didn't have to worry about that nice and i was really just trying to nurse and like bond with my baby and you know adjust to like home life with my husband and my kid and so yeah it's it's just really like get help get support talk to people that you feel comfortable with and if you don't have that like you know Postpartum Support International and all these organizations that have like those hotlines and groups and Mm -hmm. just something because, and especially being virtual, because I remember being really overwhelmed having to go anywhere those Um, early days.
0: For sure. So,
1: but yeah, finding that community in some sense, creating it for yourself if you don't have it, because it makes such a big difference.
0: Um, And how long (laughs) for you, and, and maybe you're still in the process, but how long for you did it feel like you, it took to kind of get back to yourself? Oh my
1: gosh. Like a year, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like a year. Like I feel like the healing physically took a really, really long time. And then, yeah, just like having the strength and energy to like start doing other things like I used to, like, I just didn't have the, the brain capacity. Like, yeah, it took a, a, a while and it is still a process. Cause I'm still always trying to like incorporate, you know, being a professional, being a mom, being a wife, you know, all the different roles that I have and mm-hmm trying to like keep that balance.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's important to remember too, that it's, it's a process. It's not like you, you know, you reach some mountaintop and you stay there forever. Yes. Uh, Right. Things like pandemics really throw so, a wrench into all of it and you have to re-figure, exactly. reconfigure everything.
1: Everything. And even that, I will add with that too. I did start to feel confident. I'd be like, Oh my God, I got this. Everything's so good. And then she would change. So once I let that go and was like, stop trying to, (laughs) 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 like, she's not a robot. Like just once I was really just like literally being present, like being Mm. present one thing at a time, enjoying the moment, like not letting yourself be robbed of that joy, you know, with all your negative thinking or busyness in your mind. And like really just once I did that, it was like, oh, I'm going to take a nap with her. Like I'm going to, you know, I really just started enjoying the process once I stop trying to control, stop trying to plan, stop, you know, and just was like, I have a baby now. Like if something starts at two o'clock and I don't get there until five, sorry. Mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) You know, like I was just like, that pressure was just unnecessary and just made me, you know, yeah, it was just harder to deal with. So absolutely. Yeah. I hope everybody just hears that (laughs) being present, being grounded, like enjoying your baby, like smell them, like take them in, you know, (laughs) All of that, enjoying as much as you can, but also being mindful that the other stuff that comes up is totally normal and just reaching out when you need that extra support or when right. you're not feeling it that day, like take a break.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's that, uh, like you said, it's a mindful uh, being in the present moment. You're just kind mm-hmm. of. Of what do you know on some level, what do I need today? what is happening right now? Yes. And with that versus that worry thought and and worry brain that goes way out into the future and is trying mm-hmm. to manage everything under the sun. It, yeah I think if we all could do that for ourselves, what you figured out how to do and use it I mean, it sounds like you really used once you got some of your like clarity back, used this transition into motherhood as a way to learn a new kind of skill set for yourself, learn a new way to be in the world in a way yes. that is more sustainable than even uh, how you maybe had been
1: before. Yes. Yeah. Like the final like bit of healing I felt like I needed to do, like my having a baby forced me to do it. Right.
0: Man. <laughs> it, it was really a- letting go yeah. and
1: surrendering to right. all of those things that I used to try to do.
0: Right. That's really powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it can be life changing in so many positive ways. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, once you're out of like that sort of chaos mode of the first several months with no sleep.
1: Yeah. um, Survival mode. Right. I tell people you're in the trenches in those first few weeks. But yeah, once that passes, like I think the two month mark for me was once she was more social, like Mm -hmm. smiling, Mm -hmm. joyful, then that's when it's like, oh, this is why I'm doing all this. Right. Right. (laughs) But yeah. Um,
0: Well, thank you so much for bringing in your story and your experience and your expertise and weaving that in together for us. It's really, really helpful for everyone listening and insightful. And if there's any any last thing you'd like to leave with the listeners, please go ahead.
1: Yeah. So for me, like giving birth and becoming a mom, I feel like just really humbled me and reminded me that we're all human and like you're just so raw, so vulnerable, so sensitive during that time that We're all in this together. Like, that's what really, like, it just really reminded me. And it really just gave me such an appreciation for people that have kids and how strong and powerful and amazing they are. And like, Mm -hmm. how we do the impossible literally every day. (laughs) And we just don't give ourselves credit for it. And we really need to start because we work like we don't have kids. We have kids like we don't work. And it's just crazy. Like, that needs to stop. Like, we're people that have all these different jobs and duties and roles. And like, we're doing all of it. Like, women, People that birth children, we literally are the ones that are (laughs) ruling the world. So
0: awesome. We need to remember that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for that and sending out that empowerment to everyone. And thank you so much for being with us today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you again, Dr. Sanchez, for coming on and sharing your story and helping us have another bit of perspective on the journey into parenthood. If you'd like to get connected with her, you can find all of Dr. Sanchez's social media links in our show notes. And you can find her on Instagram, Dr. Lee Sanchez. And you can find her on Facebook, Mom Lives Matter. As usual, if there is any part of this story that resonates for you or that you think resonates for somebody in your circle, please do share it with them. The more we share, the more we know that we are all not alone and that there is a possibility for healing. If you're new to the Mom and Mind podcast, please do subscribe so that you can get every episode downloaded directly to you as soon as it comes out. And come follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com.